Theme Time Radio Hour is brought to you by Cadillac. It's nighttime in the big city. Man's wife confronts his mistress. A firefly hovers near the window. This is Theme Time Radio Hour with your host, Bob Dylan. Well, it's time once again for Theme Time Radio Hour. You know, people stop me on the streets and they say, Bob, when are you going to run out of themes? Well, I got news for you. Not going to happen. Now, we can do a show about anything. Let me prove it to you. This week, Joe, just Joe, we could do an entire hour on those three letters. J-O-E, Joe. I love Joe as a name. It's one of those names that kind of has three stages. When you're a kid, you could be Joey. Hey, there's Joey. He's playing out in the yard. You're a little bit older, and you're Joseph. You're a businessman. You're the head of the household. Serious. No nonsense. Joseph. Then, get a little bit older, and you're Joe. Maybe it's time to retire. There's good old Joe. Let's go to Joe's. Joe's a good neighbor. Maybe he's working in the garage. He's got a woodworking kit in there. No matter how old you are, Joe's a name that can follow you. And so for the next hour, we're going to talk about Joe Average, Joe Namath, Little Joe from Kokomo, Bazooka Joe, Joe the Bartender, Cotton Eye Joe, Mean Joe Green, Joe Strummer, and get ourselves a cup of Joe. Joe's from the Hebrew name, Yosef, meaning he will add. There's a lot of Joes in the Bible, though they call him Joseph there. And we'll be talking about them too. Let's start things off with Ragtime Cowboy Joe. Millions of people have recorded this. Not literally millions, but a whole bunch. It was written in 1912, and it's the University of Wyoming's fight song. Here's Fire Willing and the Riders of the Purple Sage, the story of Ragtime Cowboy Joe. He always sings raggy music to the cattle as he swings, back and forward in the saddle on a horse. That is syncopated, gated, and there's such a funny meter to the roar of his repeater, how they run. When you hear the fellas gun, because the western folks all know He's a highfalutin' rootin' tootin' son of a gun from Arizona Ragtime Cowboy Joe Out in Arizona where the bad men are The only thing to guide you is an evening star Roughest, toughest man before is Ragtime Cowboy Joe Got his name and singing to the cows and sheep Every night they say sing the herd to sleep In a bath so rich and deep Crooning soft and low He always sings Raggy music to the cattle as he swings Back and forward in the saddle on a horse That is syncopated, gated, and there's such a funny meter To the roar of his repeater, how they run When they hear the fellas gun, because the western folks all know He's a highfalutin, rootin', tootin', son of a gun From Arizona, ragtime cowboy Joe Cowboy, cowboy, ragtime cowboy. 
they go, Fort Welling and the Riders of the Pippa Sage, Ragtime Cowboy Joe. On that vision we just heard, they can hear the band throwing a little quote and take the A-train right after the solo. These guys are definitely listening to jazz. Our next song is one of the oldest calypsos known. It originated as a Dominican work song. In 1926, Trinidadian vaudevillian Sam Manning recorded an instrumental version. And 20 years later, Macbeth the Great made the most famous version of it and performed it at the famous Calypso at Midnight show at New York's Town Hall. It's been recorded many times by many people since. This version I like a lot is by Andre Toussaint. Plays in kind of a goombe and junkanoo style. He passed away in 1981, but is remembered as one of the founding fathers of modern-day Bahamian music. Here's Andre Toussaint and Hold Him Joe. Hold him Joe, hold him Joe, hold him Joe not to let him go. I say hold him Joe, hold him Joe, hold him Joe not to let him go. Mean donkey want water, hold him Joe, oh donkey. Hold him Joe, sun round the corner, hold him Joe. People say my donkey's bad, cause he come from Trinidad. I know my donkey's good, cause he bring me Robin Hood. Me donkey won't want that, hold him Joe, sun round the corner, hold him Joe. Oh donkey, all I work for my daily bread, people call me Copperhead. All I work for my daily bread, people call me Copperhead. So, let we go, darling Mella, you're breaking my backbone. Let we go, darling Mella, you're breaking my backbone. Let we go, darling Mella, you're breaking my backbone. Hold him, Joe, hold him, Joe, hold him, Joe, don't you let him go. Hold him, hold him, hold him, Joe, don't you let him go. Me donkey want water, hold him, Joe, sun on the corner, hold him, Joe, me donkey want water, hold him, Joe, sun on the corner, hold him, Joe. That was Hold Him, Joe, Andre Toussaint. This is Team Time Radio Hour, and we're talking about Joe. There's lots of famous Joes, probably the oldest Joes, are the two from the Bible. One in the New Testament, and one in the Old. The New Testament Joe was the husband of Mary, and helped raise her child Jesus. The Old Testament Joseph was the eleventh child of Jacob. He was Jacob's favorite. The other brothers didn't like that, and Joseph didn't help matters any. He lauded it over his brothers. His father gave him a coat of many colors, and he showed off further angering his brothers. Jacob sent Joseph off to the fields to see how his brothers were tending the flocks. His brothers knew a good opportunity when they saw it and threw him into a pit. They were going to leave him there and tell their father that he was attacked by a beast and killed. Judah, another of the brothers, talked him out of it and they sold Joseph into slavery instead. The story has lots of twists and turns, but it ends up with Joseph in a position of power during a time of famine. Among those that came to the Pharaoh were Joseph's brothers. Joseph would have been able to stop the Pharaoh from giving him grain to get revenge. But in the end, he spares his brothers and his father, showing forgiveness. There's nothing else I could say about Bob Wilson as Texas Playboys. We played him so many times, and we're going to keep playing him. This is one of his most famous songs. It was co-written by Bob and his vocalist, Tommy Duncan. 
At least they say they wrote it. Actually, folklorists say that it's a traditional song that predates the American Civil War. The song is called Cotton-Eyed Joe. No one's really sure if the phrase cotton-eyed is in reference to milky eyes that have a cloudy appearance because of untreated cataracts, or if he simply had an eye for the ladies. Took a cotton to him, so to speak. It started out as a folk blues song, but it became a country bluegrass standard. And there was even a techno dance version recorded in the 90s. The 1990s. Here's Bob Wilson as Texas Playboys. Grab your partners, find your corners. Here's Cotton Eyed Joe. Don't you remember, don't you know, Daddy worked a man to call Cotton Eyed Joe. Daddy worked a man to call Cotton Eyed Joe. Had not been for Cotton Eyed Joe, I'd have been married a long time ago. I'd have been married a long time ago. Singing the Cotton Eye Joe, everybody singing the Cotton Eye Joe. Had not been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd have been married a long time ago. I'd have been married a long time ago. Cotton Eye Joe, call for the doctor, Cotton Eye Joe. Had not been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd have been married a long time ago. I'd have been married a long time ago. Tune my fiddle and rock my bow, gonna make music everywhere I go. That was Cotton Eye Joe, Bob Wilson, the Texas Playboys. While we're on the subject of Cotton Eye Joe, Joseph Cotton was born in Petersburg, Virginia in 1905. He was the son of a well-to-do family. He first appeared on Broadway in 1930. In 37, he joined up with Orson Welles and his Mercury Players. Went out to Hollywood and made his film debut in Citizen Kane. Not a bad way to start. You might have seen him in The Magnificent Ambersons, a movie called Journey Into Fear, which he co-wrote. He's in Shadow of a Doubt, Gaslight, Dool in the Sun, The Third Man, Niagara, Under Capricorn, and Touch of Evil. He was known as a charming performer, but he was occasionally arrogant. A lot of his friends in Hollywood were overjoyed when he kicked columnists Lola Parsons in the seat of the pants. Kept working up until the 80s. In 1987, he published his autobiography called Vanity Will Get You Somewhere. He passed away on February 6, 1994. Farewell. Cutting that joke. 
April of 1943, a movie called Cabin in the Sky opened. It was the first film directed by Vincent Minnelli, father of Liza and husband of Judy Garner. The movie starred Ethel Waters, Rochester Anderson, Lena Horne, and Duke Ellington. It's a fever dream of a man named Little Joe who wants to be as good as his very Christian wife, but he's tempted by the weaknesses of the flesh. Just like in life, the agents of God and the devil compete for his soul. It's all singing and all dancing, entertainment at its finest. And in 1944, this song, Happiness is a Thing Called Joe, by Harold Allen and Yip Harburg, was nominated for an Oscar. One of the most famous Joes was Joseph Stalin. He led the Soviet Union through World War II and into the Cold War. He was one of the most important figures of the 20th century. Born with the name Yusuf Dysanovich Jugashvili, he was responsible for sadness and death. I won't let him speak for himself. Here are some words straight out of his own mouth. The people who cast the votes do not decide an election. The people who count the votes do. He also said, ideas are far more powerful than guns. We don't allow our enemies to have guns. Why should we allow them to have ideas? Die, but don't retreat. Gratitude is a sickness suffered by dogs. And finally, a single death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a statistic. Here's Hank Williams with a song about a man who put too many statistics in the history books. No, no, Joe. Can't Joe quit acting smart? Stop being that old brazen sort. Don't you go sell this country short. No, no, Joe. Just because you think you found a system that we know ain't sound, don't you go throwing your weight around. No, no, Joe. Cause the Kaiser tried it and Hitler tried it, Mussolini tried it too. Now they're all sitting around the fire, and did you know something? They saving a place for you. Now, Joe, you ought to get it clear. You can't push folks around with fear. Cause we don't scare easy over here. No, no, Joe. you do the things you do you getting folks mad at you don't bite off more than you can chew no no joe cause you want a scrap that you can't win you don't know what you're getting in don't go around leading with your chin no no joe now you got tanks some fair-sized tanks but you're acting like a clown cause man we got yanks the mess of yanks and you might get caught with your tanks down don't go throwing out your chest You'll pop the buttons off your vest. You're playing with a hornet's nest. No, no, Joe. Joe. 
You know, you think you're somebody we should dread just because you're seeing red. You better get that foolishness out of your head. No, no, Joe. And you might be itching for a fight. Quit bragging about how your bear can bite because you're sitting on a keg of dynamite. No, no, Joe. That was Hank Williams with No No Joe. Of course, Stalin was our ally during the Potsdam Conference, which is when the big three, Truman, Stalin, and Churchill, discussed how they would carve up the world after the war. Turns out, Stalin wasn't capable of playing nice. Soon we'd be in another war. This one fought mostly in our minds. It wasn't a war of heat. It was a cold war. Isn't he sweet? He's better than a dog. I can play with him. He has to have a name. Joe! I'll call him Joe! One of these days, we're going to do an entire show. Songs about famous people. There's so many of them. We can do a whole show just about Joe Lewis. But I'm only going to play one about him today. It's hard to choose. I was going to play Memphis Mini, but we played it before, and we never played the Dixie Airs. They're one of those groups that went back and forth between gospel and rhythm and blues. One of the singers, Julius Caleb Ginyard, started the doo-wop group, the Dude-Droppers. They also performed with various members of the Cats and the Fiddle, but mostly recorded gospel. Here's a gospel song about a real person. Joe Lewis is a fighting man. Now let us talk about the brown bummer. Tell the nation this story. Let us talk about the brown bummer. Joe Lewis was a fighting man. Well, let us talk about the brown bummer. Tell the nation this story. Let us talk about the brown bummer. Joe Lewis was a fighting man. Well, now stop. Let me tell you this story. And I hope you'll understand. I want to talk about a mighty great fighting man. He fought with the master's hand. He was born way down in the lowland in the state of ALA. He's a farmer boy, so I was told he had mother with in his heart. Until one day he's thinking hard, thinking about the things involved. He packed his bag, kissed his mother in the door, and headed for old Detroit. And there he started to work and train. He never did have any fun. Until one day, to his surprise, up walked Mr. Blackburn. Then Joe Lewis started his career. His future was at stake. He fought from the bottom to the golden glove and on to the heavyweight. Now let us talk about the brown bomber. Oh, tell the nation story. Let us talk about the brown bomber. Joe Lewis was a fine man. Well, let us talk about the brown bomber. Oh, tell the nation the story. Let us talk about the brown bomber. Joe Lewis was a fine man. Well, there's Veneris smelling an old bear. Jack Dempsey was there, way down in Jericho. He fought Max Snell the second time, just like the Battle of Jericho. Knocked him down, took the crown, way down in Jericho. Now a million people, they all were glad, just like the Battle of Jericho. Greatest champ we've ever had, way down in Jericho. Now let us talk about the Brown Bomber. Oh, tell the nation the story. We thought we'd talk about the Brown Bomber. Don't lose for the fighting man. Well, let us talk. Now just read the story of his life. His dear loving mother was the light. Way down in Jericho. She told him to pray that your day was right. Very hard work went to bed at night. Way down in Jericho. 
Now all you great fighters, you listen to me. Just like the Battle of Jericho. You never win a battle until you get on your knees. Way down in Jericho. Old Peter, Moses, James, and John. Just like the Battle of Jericho. Just you did the battle and the battle was won. Way down in Jericho. Now let us talk about the Brown Bomber. Tell the nation the story. Let us talk about the Brown Bomber. Joe Lewis was a fighting man. That was a Dixie ass. So Lewis is a fighting man. So captured the public imagination when he beat Max Schmeling. In the first fight, Schmeling beat Joe Lewis. He was praised in Germany as a model of racial superiority. Tensions built in expectation of the 1938 rematch. War was on the horizon, and the Lewis-Schmeling fight seemed like a perfect parallel. Joe Lewis only needed 124 seconds to defeat Max Schmeling in the rematch, and radio let the whole world listen in. Right to the body, a left hook to the jaw, and Schmeling is down. The count is five, five, six, seven, eight. The men are in the ring. The fight is over on a technical knockout. Max Schmeling is beaten in one round. The common threat of the Nazis united both black and white America helped set the stage for the civil rights movement. But of course, happy endings are hard to come by, and Joe Lewis fell on hard times. He owed the tax man a lot of money, and at the end of his life, had to take a job as a greeter for a Las Vegas casino. He died on April 12, 1981. He was buried at Arlington National Cemetery with military honors. Meet Joe, the king of the workers of the world. Hi, folks. This is Steam Time Radio Hour, and we're talking about Joe. He's the very talented and ever generous Don't Bias and Joe Hill. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night, alive as you or me. Every mine and mill where 
Don Baez and Doe Hill. Doe was the troubadour of discontent. He was brought up in Sweden. When he was nine years old, he worked in a rope factory. He was stricken with skin and joint tuberculosis in 1900. He went to Stockholm to find a cure. He ended up moving to the United States after his mother passed. Joined the IWW in 1910. The IWW was the industrial workers of the world. We told you about them on our Rich Man Poor Man show. Anyway, Joe wrote many of their most famous songs. In 1911, Joe was arrested numerous times. However, on January 10th, 1914, it was a much more serious affair. Joe went to the door of a Salt Lake City's doctor's office. He needed to be treated for a gunshot wound. He said he got it from an angry husband who thought Joe had insulted his wife. Meanwhile, in another part of town, a grocer and his son had been killed in a robbery attempt. One of the assailants was wounded in the chest. Joe's injury supposedly tied him to the incident. There was uncertain testimony from eyewitnesses, and Joe didn't have any corroboration for his alibi. A local jury found him guilty, even though no one was able to identify him, and the gun was never recovered. There was a campaign to free him, and it continued up to his execution by firing squad in 1915. He became more famous in death than in life. He was a rebel in life, and he died like a rebel. Supposedly, even at his execution, he told the fireman Scott to fire. His body was cremated, and the ashes were mailed to IWW workers in every state but Utah. According to his wishes, all of these envelopes containing his ashes were opened at the same time, on May 1st, 1916, so he could be scattered to the winds. He will always be remembered for his songs and his rallying cry from the eve of his execution. Don't waste time mourning. Organize. G.I. Joe attack! Boom, boom! G.I. Joe takes the hill! Bam, bam! Horrific battle! This is Theme Time Radio Hour, and we're talking about Joes. Short Joes and tall Joes. Rich Joes and poor Joes. And this one, Diamond Joe. This is a group called the Georgia Crackers. It's really Paul Leon Koffer. They're originally called the Koffers. Paul was a 26-year-old sheet metal worker. His brother Leon was known as LJ. Leon went to the Georgia Academy for the Blind. Matter of fact, that's the same school blind Willie McTell went to. They were the same age, but I believe they shared a classroom. The Koffers recorded songs from the poor side of town. Low-life tales full of cruelty, liquor, and repossessed furniture. They had to change their name from the Kofers to the Georgia Crackers because their dad was a Methodist preacher and wouldn't want the family name associated with those kind of stories. Whatever you call them, Kofers or Crackers, here they are with them and Joe.
Slice it, that's rock and roll. The Joes are crackers, Diamond Joe. There are lots of Joes who work on the baseball diamond. Here's a couple. There's Joe Morgan, who's only five foot seven and weighed 160 pounds. He was a good fielding second baseman and strong at the plate. His mother was concerned that once Joe left college to play ball, he would never go back. He promised her he would finish college. Well, it took 25 years, but he kept the promise. He's got his college degree in 1990. 25 years after he left school, the same year he was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Then there's Joe DiMaggio. We know he was born in Martinez, California, and he had the Italian version of Joe, Giuseppe Paolo DiMaggio. He was a star for the Yanks and married to Marilyn Monroe. And everybody knows the story of shoeless Joe Jackson. They say he threw the World Series, but truth to tell, the other eight players made a lot more intentional errors. Short snuff Swede Masberg let the ball drop from his mitt. Third baseman Buck Weaver lost one in the lights. Center fielder Happy Felsch kept swinging at junk. And first baseman Chick Gandel kept tripping over the bag when a grounder came to him. Pitcher Ed Chicote didn't even carry his glove onto the field. What's amazing is, Shooter's Joe tried to tell White Sox owner Charles Comiskey about the fix. Well, Comiskey wouldn't listen and said that they were just rumors and forced Jackson to play. According to the legend, a young fan confronted Joe outside the grand jury and begged him, Say it ain't so, Joe. He was kicked out of the majors and moved to Savannah, Georgia, where he opened a successful dry cleaning operation. He remained philosophical and once said, I'm going to meet the greatest umpire of all, and he knows I'm innocent. We know it ain't so, Joe. Hi, this is Mick Jones, and you're listening to the fantastic Theme Time Radio Hour with Bob Dylan. Was it Joe not a Joe? Well, it's when he's a she, that's a Josephine. Here's Bo Diddley with a song about the lovely lady, right on Josephine. 
Josephine driving a hot rod Ford. Twin carburetor will eat up the road. Twin exhaust sticking out the rear. Something that will really take away from here. Right on, Josephine, right on. Josephine by Bo Diddley. There's lots of famous Josephines. The one who jumps to my mind immediately was the Empress of France. She was Napoleon's one true love. There was the Grand Duchess, Josephine Charlotte of Belgium. She was a direct descendant of Napoleon's Josephine. In 1944, the Allied forces invaded France. She and her father were sent to Germany where they lived under house arrest for a year. We all know about Josephine Baker and Josephine March, the lead character in Little Women. There's Joe Stafford. I'm guessing she's a Josephine and a great singer. And I'm willing to bet you that Joey Heatherton isn't a Joey at all, but Josephine. All right, Joe. You've never been in trouble before. That is, you've never been arrested before. That's right, Judge. Oh, it was a crazy thing to do. I don't know what to say. Joe, I agree with J. Edgar Hoover that every child should be taught the golden rule. And I might add the Ten Commandments and how they apply in our modern life. Joe Baton was born in Spanish Harlem. He started singing doo-wop in the 50s, but music was competing with his interest in street gangs. At age 15, he started serving five years at Kakseki State Prison for riding in a stolen vehicle. It was there in prison that he learned music, and six months after he got out, he started recording. He was known as the Latin Soul King and was one of the prime movers behind the boogaloo sound. Here he is, with a song about the New York subway system, Subway Joe. Oh, Mr. 
That was Joe Baton, Subway Joe, on Theme Time Radio Hour. A lot of people named Joe are very quotable. Take Joseph Heller, for instance, who said, Some people are born mediocre, some achieve mediocrity, and others have mediocrity thrust upon them. He also said, The enemy is anybody who's going to get you killed, no matter which side he's on. But to me, perhaps the most quotable Joe is the one with the wildest story. His name is Joey Lewis, and I'll tell you his story in a second. But here's a couple of his quotes. I always wake up at the crack of ice. I don't like money, actually, but it does quiet the nerves. A man is never drunk if he can lay on the floor without holding on. How about this one? Show me a friend in need, and I'll show you a pest. And perhaps my favorite, whenever someone asks me if I want water with my scotch, I'm saying thirsty, not dirty. So who was this guy? Well, he was born with the name Joseph Cluen. He was a comedian and singer in the 20s, and later on he was just a comedian. Curious? Let me tell you more. Back in the 20s, he was appearing in Chicago in a mob joint called the Green Mill Gardens. You could see people like Sophie Tucker, Eddie Cantor, and Al Capone in there. One of the owners of the club worked for Al Capone, Machine Gun Jack McGurn. Joey Lewis went to McGurn and told him he was offered a raise to play at the new Rendezvous Cafe. He would go from making six fifty a week to a thousand a week, plus a piece of the door. His contract was about to expire anyway, and he figured it would be no problem to move on. He didn't know McGurn. McGurn warned Lewis not to go, otherwise he would never live to open up the new Rendezvous. Joe thought he was just exaggerating and went to the rendezvous. In November of 1927, Joey Lewis was sleeping. There was a knock on his door. Three tough guys pushed in. They warned him not to scream. They pistol whipped him with a 45 and a 38. They beat him so severely that he had pieces of his skull embedded in his brain. They carved up his face, beginning at the left ear and going out of his throat. Cut a piece of his tongue out and left him for dead. Amazingly, he survived. Crawled out into the hallway, and the chambermaid saw him. Believe it or not, she thought it was another one of Lewis's practical jokes. Well, it wasn't, and she finally got him to the hospital. It took Jerry Lewis many years to learn how to speak again, but his singing career was over. He took a few years to regain his confidence and went back on the circuit as a stand-up comedian. He was a popular attraction in the 40s, 50s, and the 60s, and was a friend with Milton Berle, Red Skelton, and Frank Sinatra, who starred in a movie based on his life called The Joker is Wild. Joey Lewis passed away in 1971. I'm going to let him have the last word. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, as long as you have money. There's no one like Mr. Jerry Lee. His mother enrolled him in a Texas Bible college, but didn't take. He got kicked out. By the time he was 21 years old, he'd been turned down by most Nashville record companies and Louisiana Hayride. He'd already been married twice, in jail once, but he knew he was going to make it. He showed up at the door of Memphis's Sun Studios. Sam Phelps was on vacation, but Jack Clement was there, and Jerry Lee sat down behind the piano. Roland James joined him on guitar, and J.M. Van Eaton played the drums. Jerry Lee had such a strong left hand that he didn't need a bass player. He could make anything swing. For example, here's a song by Stephen Foster that Jerry Lee rocks the heck out of. Here's Old Black Joe. Gone are the days when my heart was young and gay Gone are the toils of the cotton fields away Gone to the fields of a better land I know I hear, oh 
those gentle voices calling Stephen Foster. You know, we tell you stuff about Stephen Foster, but there's still more to tell. He learned music from a German immigrant named Henry Cleaver. As a teen in Pittsburgh, him, his brother Morrison, and their close friend, Charles Sherris, were all members of an all-male secret club called Knights of the ST. They met twice a week at the Foster's home. One of the things they did a lot was sing. Stephen Foster was the song leader and ultimately a composer. Some of his earlier songs, like Oh Susanna, were written for this group to sing. He was a hard-working songwriter, taking months to craft and polish the words, the melody, and the accompaniment of a song. His notebooks showed that he often labored over the smallest details, changing prepositions and figuring out when to include or remove commas. He didn't write nostalgically, he humanized the people in his songs, made them care for one another, and conveyed a sense that all people share the same longings and needs for family and home. He earned nothing for other arranged settings of his songs, or for broadside printings, or other publishers' editions. He died broke on January 13th, 1864. He was 37 years old, and all he had in his pockets was 38 cents and a scrap of paper with these words penciled on him. Dear friends and gentle hearts. And where is Joe? I've heard so much about Joe. Did you tell him we'd be here? Oh, I told him. She told him to stay away. Louisa DuPont married guitarist Danny Barker at age 13. The two of them recorded a number of records together, and Danny gave his wife the nickname Blue Lou Barker. A lot of jazz critics, which are kind of like rock critics, except they read about jazz, didn't think much of Blue Lou's voice. But musicians always liked her. Billy Holiday once said, Blue Lou Barker was my biggest influence. She was inducted into the Louisiana Blues Hall of Fame in 1997. Just in time, too. She died a year later. Here's Blue Lou asking a musical question, Where's Joe? Where's Joe? I don't know. You used to love her. 
but not no more I have got me another man Because that simple square did not understand When Joe came to the city Feet and I took pity My friends all laughed at me They say that I was crazy That Joe was slick and lazy He'd make a fool out of me Where's Joe? I don't know You used to love him But not no more I was supposed to put him down Because I did not want that fool hanging around Diamond Joe. Guess what? We're gonna play it again. But here's the rub. It's a different song. There's two songs named Diamond Joe. This one is by Gilbert Bandine Houston. He changed his name in the 1930s after a small California town named Cisco. Cisco Houston was a running buddy and singing partner of Woody Guthrie. He crossed the country more than 30 times, sometimes working as a cowboy, a lumberjack, or a potato picker. He started a Broadway musical called The Cradle Wheel Rock. Hosted his own TV show called The Gil Houston Show. Made a bit of a name for himself as a songwriter. We got in trouble with another Joe. That was Joe McCarthy. But we're going to hear more about it in a minute. There's no documentation to show that Cisco's radio show was cancelled due to a blacklist. But everybody knew the network didn't like his lefty views. And they gave him the boot. Cisco was undeterred. He returned to California and played music. He was a popular attraction and would have had a long career. But in 1961, he passed away. Let's listen to Cisco and Diamond Joe. There is a man you'll hear about Most every place you go And his holding 
things are in Texas And his name is Diamond Joe Well, he carries all his money In his diamond-studded jaw And he never was much bothered By the process of the law Well, I hired the Diamond Joe boys I did offer him my hand and he gave me a string of horses So old they could not stand Well, I like to die the hunger Cause he did mistreat me so I never earned a dollar In the pay of Diamond Joe Well, his bread it was corn dodger And his meat I could not chaw and he drove me near distracted with a wagon of his jaw. Why he telling of his story and I mean to let you know there never was a rounder that lied like Diamond Joe. Well, I tried three times to quit him boys, but he did argue so, that I still am punching cattle in the pay of Diamond Joe, and when I'm called to heaven, last thing before I go, give my blankets to my buddies, and give the fleas to Diamond Joe. That was Diamond Joe by Cisco Houston. Some Joes will be remembered for good, and some will be remembered for not doing good. One Joe that grabbed the headlines and led us into a Doc Doc episode in American history. Joseph McCarthy was born in Grand Chute, Wisconsin in 1909. He dropped out of school at age 14, finally made up his classes, and after a couple of failed attempts, became the junior senator from Wisconsin. His early record was unimpressive. But starting in 1949, with the Cold War in everyone's minds, McCarthy found the cars. In Wheeling, West Virginia, he made the first of a series that he had a list of known communists. Never produced any hard evidence, but he ruined people's lives. He relied on accusation, slander, and innuendo. Even today, we call that kind of mudslinging McCarthyism. In 1954, they started televising McCarthy's hearings. It was only a matter of time before the unblinking eye of television caused McCarthy to reveal himself as the fraud he was. In December 1954, the Senate voted to censor him. He never repented, but quickly descended into irrelevance and alcoholism. 106 years ago, when this war was declared, you could number the active communists on the fingers of both your hands. As of tonight, the figure is 800 million people in communist slavery. Traitors are not gentlemen, my good friends. They don't understand being treated like gentlemen. Get that communist Joe. Get that communist Joe. Get that communist Joe. Get that communist Joe. We're just about out of time. You'll be amazed how exhausted you can get in an hour. 
But before we go, I want to share an email with you. It's from Joe Perkins of Asbury Park, New Jersey. That's a lucky coincidence. His name is Joe, and we're doing our Joe show. What are the odds? Joe writes, Dear Bob, I've been enjoying the show from day one. It's musical, entertaining, and informative. If you don't mind me saying so, I consider it infotainment. Been noticing a disturbing trend, however. In season one, you seem to play a lot more Van Morrison. Find this to be one of my favorite parts of the show. This year, weeks go by. I don't hear any Van Morrison. What's the dealio? Signed Joe Perkins. Well, Joe, there's no big game plan here. We come up with the themes, we pull out a pile of records, and we figure out the show. We do try to play a lot of artists, and if it's a choice between Van and someone we never played before, we might take a moment to shine the light somewhere new. But you're right. Can't play enough Van Morrison, and it's about time we play him again. Let's see, what shall we play? Let me think. Did Van ever do a song with Joe in it? Ah, I've got it. Give me a second just to pull it out. Here it is, an Avalon Sunset. Song called I'm Tired, Joey Boy. This one's for you, Joe, and all the Joes out there. Albert Camus points out 
the gods were wise in perceiving that in eternity a futile labor is a hideous punishment. Think about it. Take your time. Does it remind you of life? Life's a lot like that. You roll the rock uphill, and you know you're going to have to do it again tomorrow. But there are those moments when you're walking down the hill without the rock, look up at the sky, look around at the land, and it might even be a fleeting moment. But that's a time when you say, life's okay. Now, excuse me, gotta go down to the bottom of the hill and start rolling a rock again. I'll see you next week with more themes, dreams, and schemes. Thanks for listening to Theme Time Radio Hour with your host, Bob Dylan. Produced by Eddie Gorodetsky. Associate producer, Ben Rollins. Continuity by Eats Martin. Editor, Damian Rodriguez. Supervising editor, Rob McCumber. Research team, Diane Lapson and Bernie Bernstein. With additional research by April Hayes, Callie Gladman, Terrence Michaels, Sean Patrick, and Lynn Sheridan. Librarian, Robert Bauer. Production coordinator, Debbie Sweeney. Production assistance by Jim McBean. Special thanks to Randy Azradi, Coco Shinomiya, and Samson's Diner. For XM Radio, Lee Abrams. Recorded in Studio B in the historic Abernathy Building. Studio engineer, Tex Carbone. This has been a Great Water Park production in association with Big Red Tree. This is your announcer, Pierre Mancini, speaking. Please be here next week when we look at heat. Theme Time Radio Hour is brought to you by Cadillac.